three. What in the world kind of title is that for a series, right? Well, as Jaden explained last week, our thought is, really, we're beginning with a bunch of words that start with re. And if you're like me, it's kind of like, but I kind of want to be an original. I don't want to be a re of anything. I don't want to have to do something again. But then when you really start to think about it, if you think back to things like uh, Genesis 1, if you've ever read the, the beginning of the Bible and it says God created us in his likeness and his image. And still when we are born today, like our creation, we come out like we're in the likeness and image of God. So we deviate from that over the course of our life. We sin, we make mistakes. So whenever we discover God, we're really rediscovering God, right? Because we were created in his likeness and image. So we're coming back to his intent for us. And this can go for all kinds of things. And we're going to look at rediscover, reconnect, reimagine. There's all kinds of great things. But even in scripture, you know, it says that when we make a decision to follow Jesus, we're reborn. I mean, there's a lot of re-words in the scriptures that should challenge us to really be new and uh, Jaden did a great job communicating that last week. But we have a scripture that's inspiring the series, Philippians 1, 3 through 6. It says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partner spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it to now. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. From the time you first heard. The imagery there is pretty interesting. I mean, do you remember the first time you heard about Jesus? I mean, think back to maybe the first time you had an opportunity to even respond to Jesus. And maybe this is your first time ever hearing about Jesus. Awesome. We, we actually have an expectancy at Open Life that every week someone will be here for the very first time ever in a church. That's just, like I really believe um, that somebody, God will honor all the work that's gone from the amazing setup teams and kids volunteers and different things that are in place. He'll, he'll honor that. He'll, he'll let people show up and hear about Jesus every week. So welcome. If you're a guest, you're at home, and uh, that's pretty fun. But maybe it was a week ago or a month ago or a year ago or 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Do you remember when you first heard? Do you remember when you first believed, okay, Jesus is the Son of God, and made the decision to, to, to confess Jesus as Lord or say, I invite you into my heart. Do you remember that moment? Because from the moment they first heard until now, the Philippian church was partnering with Paul in the work of spreading the good news of Jesus. That's the imagery we have here in this Philippian church, if you will. What gave them this 
endurance? What gave them this drive to be able to continue to fulfill the mission of Jesus upon their life to make the good news of the kingdom of God come to earth? You can live it now, life to the full. How did they get this endurance and long-term vision and this stand firmness that, man, we have the opportunity to live in? Um, And that's what made us think of today's talk. That we should rediscover that, that first moment of faith. If you define rediscover, it says this. If you Google it, it says right there on the front of your screen, discover something forgotten or ignored again. Something forgotten or ignored again. I think often it's easy to hear about looking back to the time you first heard of Jesus or you first made a decision to follow Jesus and you go, oh yeah, I've kind of walked away from the zeal or passion I had in that moment. You could feel a little guilt, but that's, you don't have to feel guilty. That's not God's goal. God's objective is not to bring you in to hear a message about rediscovering your first love to bring guilt to you. It's to remind us of, hey, let's reawaken what was once alive in us. Um, God, like, puts you on this planet for a reason, and he wants you to rediscover discover the purpose and mission for, for your life and for our lives as human beings, loving other human beings. Jesus was sharing this very thing, actually, to a church after uh, his resurrection. This One of the disciples, John, was having visions, and he wrote a book about it called Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible. It's really crazy. You probably want to read it with some guidance, like a, a commentary or something that will help you understand it, because there's a lot of symbolism, imagery, and different things. But one section of Scripture that is really plain to understand is a communication between Jesus and the different churches. And he hones in on one of the churches uh, in Ephesus, or really the Christians in the city of Ephesus, and he's challenging them Uh, through the lens of like they're doing everything great except for one thing and uh, it reads like this it's in revelations 2 verse 2 through 5 i know all the things you do i've seen your hard work and your patient endurance i know you don't tolerate evil people you have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not you've discovered they are liars it's like my son right now he's in that phase right he's six years old if you say anything that doesn't come true, you're a liar. I don't know why, but it's just brutal. So whenever I read this, I think of my son. Here we go, verse 3. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. So they have great endurance, right? Verse 4. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me. And do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Wow. A simple challenge. A simple challenge there really in two parts. Jesus is saying some pretty simple things, but yet profound to consider today. You, didn't, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. It's a loving God loving people. So what do we need to do? Turn back to me. Do what you did at first. It's super simple, but yet super hard, right? 
And our big idea today kind of comes out of this. The mission of Jesus is easily forgotten or ignored. I mean, we can see it throughout Scripture. Constant forgetting or ignoring the mission of Jesus upon somebody's life. So this term mission of Jesus is kind of a, probably you could call it a, a churchese or church, church kind of language maybe. Or mission can mean a hundred different things. This is what we see it meaning. Uh, the mission of Jesus was to lead people into right relationship with God. He was sent by God. God so loved the world, says in John 3.16, that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. He didn't send him to condemn the world, but to save the world. John 3.16 and 17. So that was Jesus' mission. He came to bring us into right relationship with God. On this side of Jesus' life, death and resurrection, we can, we can see that now our mission, we've been given this task to as well lead people into right relationship with God through Jesus. That's, that's what we get to do. That's why we say at Open Life, we are people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Super simple. We've been given this task. You can see maybe in, in certain parts of Scripture, we're called ambassadors. You know, we've been given the task of being his spokesman. So that's pretty awesome. I guess you could also say missional moments then, a term you might hear in books or in this world of, of church. Missional moments are those which God provides for us to help people experience Jesus. It could be as simple as going into Starbucks versus going through the drive through Any moment, God can use us to help somebody experience an element of the character of God, even without us explaining it. It's that our life is an example, right? So how do we have opportunity then to remember to love each other and to love God on such a consistent basis? How can we get back to the first time we ever understood God's love for us? That's kind of what today's thoughts are about. So thought one, we need to rediscover the gospel. Rediscover the gospel. We need to rediscover just how good news, the gospel means good news, right? How good is this good news? And in fact, I think as I've grown in my relationship with Jesus over the course of, let's see here, do the math, 24 years, I've... I'm continually learning God's love goes way farther than I could fathom. I'm always shocked at how he can so quickly turn a life around to live life more full than they were. And somebody who seems out of reach or out of touch with the love of God can so quickly be transformed by his love. I love that. And... uh, But we need to rediscover the gospel. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 through 6 says, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you that 
or what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. I mean, this gospel was not just a faith teaching. It was a historical and is a historical occurrence we have to deal with. Like, Jesus died and resurrected and ascended into heaven. And so Paul's going, this is true. Um, So we, as those who sin, need to figure out how do we invite Jesus into our life so that we can have this good news come to life through us now and for all eternity. Uh, This good news is for everyone who hears it. This good news is not false hope. This is not a desperate faith that we just attach ourselves to because we're so uneducated or desperate as some would say well Christianity is just for people who have no hope well sure it is hope right and uh, but it's also for those who are living life to the fullest because if they're living life to the full fullest of their ability without Jesus then there's more because we're promised that through a right relationship with God we actually get the full experience of life There's something there that you just can't get without right relationship with God through Jesus. So we need to renew ourselves when when our hearts become impacted by the gospel. And our minds connect with what's going on in our heart. Man, our focus is renewed. We can get all there is out of life. I believe that our life is most complete when we're sharing Jesus naturally with those around us. I mean, there's all kinds of fun things to do. There's all kinds of amazing experiences I've had the ability to have over the course of my lifetime. But nothing compares to having the impact on somebody's life by showing them Jesus and watching them choose to follow Jesus and their life being absolutely made better through a relationship with him. It's crazy. It's a, it's a beautiful thing that I wish everybody could experience is being able to lead someone into a relationship with Jesus. Sharing the gospel through, through connecting with others and through serving and through sharing our time, talents, and treasures. God just honors that and illuminates our vision to the extent of his love every time. Maybe we call it different things here. We call it neighboring or loving or serving or a living life open or open life. But the reality is it's just our making a difference in others' lives by sharing Jesus. It's about capitalizing on missional moments. And I figured I'd share my origin story. Some of you know like how I came to follow Jesus. Others of you are new and you've never heard it, so f- this is for you. Uh, I, my faith story was I was very, very far from from God, 21 years old, living a life that didn't reflect a conscience or a right relationship with him at all, uh, addicted to alcohol, uh, r- many unhealthy relationships in my life. And, uh, and so I uh, started pursuing 
getting wealthy and in my drive for wealth, I was reaching, reading like self-help books and Fortune 500 company owner publications. And they had the weirdest consistent tie in all these books. At some point in time, these books would give credit to God. And I think I was being set up, you know, by my parents. And it worked. They did a good job. Because they were the ones feeding me a bunch of these books. Oh, you want to you wanna be successful? Here's a book you should read, you know. Dale Carnegie, we're going to sucker him into reading this thing, you know. And, uh, and so I'd start reading these books, and they would all just give God glory or whatever. And so I'd kind of speed past that part because I was like, God, blah, right? That's where I was at. But then there was these seeds of faith, and, and I hit this low point in my life, and, and uh, I, I showed up at church, and I, it hurt good, I guess you could say, but yet I didn't know what to do with this pain it caused me to sit in church and hear this message about how much I was loved when I felt like I was so unlovable. Uh, and I finally made my way to a Sunday service at this convention I was at in Salt Lake City, Utah. I was chasing money, so I was in Amway at the time. Any of you ever been able to see an Amway presentation? Anyway, so I was that guy. Uh, and for six months, I had sat in, in, uh, in environments of, of a normal church in Shoreline Community Church and listened to preaching and teaching, and I was growing in a kind of an understanding, but from a distance of what God was all about. But then, like, I went to this conference, and they were sharing their story. This band was sharing their story about how they're semi-rolled and, like, uh, family members died. It was the Goads. is this band called the Goads. And so I was, like, so moved by their story. And I'm easily moved. Like, my daughters would confirm. Like, Beauty and the Beast, I don't know how many times I've watched this, but I'll tear up. I have to admit it, right? Like, at weird spots. Like, I'll, I'll cry in the Paris scene. I'm sad for her, you know. Or, you know, when they start falling in love, I'll get emotional. I'm like, what is going on here? Um, is it just because I have kids? Or would I watch this on my own if I had no kids? I probably would watch it on my own, and I would cry. And so that's me. I'm emotional. I could get it's special moments. It's like when they, it's, it's the moments when they die in the movie, like, that, that I cry, you know, in glory at the end when they're charging the hill. I'm like, it's beautiful, Denzel. Bye-bye. You know, it's kind of the way I go. So here I am on a Sunday morning service in Salt Lake City Delta Center, June 3rd, 1993. And they're sharing the story about how God got them through the loss of their parents in this rollover accident when they were sleeping on a tour bus. And I'm just going, I'm just like, I was sad the whole time, but like as they're telling their story, I'm even more sad. Like I'm crying, and, and I can't control the cry now. I'm almost at the hup-up cry. You know that cry when you're like, <laughs> I'm there. Can't control it. And after, they've been talking, and I probably am just a mess. I can really get it. I'm sitting on the side, and I've got my friend James there with me and some of my family, and I'm there going, uh, why am I so sad? What is this, right? And uh, all of a sudden, they're like, man, maybe you feel that maybe this is going on in your life. And, and you just, it's God's love touching your life. You need to come down here. They had a space at the front. And, and they were asking everybody who was going to respond to Jesus to come forward. And I was like uh, sitting up in the balcony area. And so they're like, they're like, you come on down. And, and I sat there. 
I did not budge. I'm like, you kidding? Get up and come down. But I'm just like, and I'm crying even more. And I'm going, maybe this isn't just like my normal Disney movie emotions, right? This is like real. What is this? And so uh, all of a sudden I know I need to respond. But boy, they already invited people forward. I'm not going to be the late guy going forward. This is cool. Then they did this from the platform. They said, we know that there's still some of you out there that haven't responded yet. So we want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'll go if you go. So I'm there. James, I say to my friend next to me, I'll go if you go. And he's like, I'll go. And something snapped. And there was like a railing and then down. And then there were some seats and stuff. James headed for the stairs and I jumped over the railing. I was, it just like something snapped. I'm getting up there now. I'm not going to be missed again. I'm not going to miss this opportunity. And, and I reconnected with James when he finally got down the stairs. And, uh, uh, I, and we like aggressively made our way forward. And I'm sitting there and I, I'm like, they're having you repeat this prayer. And I just remember adding to it. I said, Lord, I invite you into my life. And this is the first person of many that I'm going to lead to you. And I didn't realize what I was signing up for in that moment when I prayed that prayer. But my life transformed in an instant. Like literally when I walked out of there, I didn't have a craving for alcohol anymore. The behaviors I used to live were like just washed away. It was ridiculous. The grass, which is never green in Salt Lake, looked greener. Um, it was just interesting. Like, the, the sky looked bluer to me. It, I literally felt like I rediscovered myself. I was made fully new. And it's great to remember these things. Like, that's what we're being reminded to do here in these passages, is go back to your origin story and remember just how powerful that moment was when you first heard about or responded to Jesus. Or have that moment today. Like God brought you here to, to be renewed. It's amazing. And life has been better since. It's not like, well, now I'm a Christian, so I can't do this or I can't do that. No, not at all. It's like living life to the full, and, and, I, and I hope you hear that. Thought two, rediscover Jesus in your heart and mind. What is that? Like what, like maybe you could say rediscover Jesus in your entire soul, right? But rediscover Jesus in your heart and mind. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior or customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. The mission of Jesus for you starts in your mind. Our minds have to be open to what God wants to do through us, right? I have to allow God to transform me into a new person by changing the way I think. But it happens from the inside out. That's why it's both the heart and the mind making this connection of, oh yeah, what I feel is also what I believe, and what I believe is also what I feel. Right actions bring right emotions, right? Didn't Jesus say to the church of Ephesus there in Revelation 2, he says, get back to the first love, do what you first did, and you'll rediscover the love. 
Well, what did you first do? I remember coming back from Salt Lake. I'm like going, Jesus forgave me. And people are like, you? Funniest thing ever. I remember a year later, or actually it was quite a few years later, and I bumped into one of the basketball players from high school that I played with. Huff! He's like, yeah, Gatos. He's like, what are you doing? What's, up? What's, what's, what's life been like? I was like, well, man, I became a pastor. And we were in a theater, movie theater lobby in Linwood, Washington. And Tim turned white and passed out. Like full on went just backwards onto the, onto the floor. He could not believe it. Like that just explains like who I was before and after. He was that shocked. I didn't realize it, but Tim had become a pastor too. And he was still that shocked. Knowing how much God could love people, he still passed out. It was awesome. And, and I, so Dana was like, <laughs> you were that bad? I don't know. She was like, I don't know if I would have liked you if I knew you in high school. Yeah, you, you definitely would never have ventured my direction <laughs> if you knew me in high school and college. That would have been bad. So thankfully she didn't. Uh, but just, you know, just looking at the realities of what Jesus wants us to rediscover. And how far has he brought us through his love, his, his interaction with us. He wants to touch our hearts and our minds, bring them into alignment, and discover how deeply. He wants to change our behaviors. He wants our life to center around him versus centering around self. And what that means is a life of adventure by following which direction God wants us to go. And he's adventurous. He'll challenge us to change things up and, and, and surrender to him fully and follow his lead. And I love that. What does it look like for you if Jesus would become the center? It's easy to make our kids' worlds the center. And life revolves around their schedules or needs. Or it's easy to make us and our desires and our longings the center. But Jesus is saying, man, let me change your heart and mind. And then off of that, you'll discover what your will is. Allow me to come in and transform you. Make you new. I believe that our minds want us to do so much of what God is speaking to us. When we're praying and we're reading the word and we feel this inspiration or maybe we're walking into a coffee shop and we feel him challenging us, man, that person just needs an encouragement or whatever. But we somehow these haven't connected and our mind turns off the opportunity. It could be simple stuff. So we're sitting at a communication team meeting a couple weeks ago at Craft 19 down in Sumner, developing probably this message. And a gal walks up to the counter, and she's turning 65. And she said, it's my birthday. Do you guys do anything for birthdays here? And the manager is like, no, we don't have like a birthday thing. She's like, oh, it's my 65th birthday. Oh, well, well, I'll just get, you know, and I was just like, something in me. Just said, go get her drink. I mean, it's her 65th birthday. Come on, make this lady's day, right? And so I just, was, I just jumped up, and I was going to go refill my coffee, but sneak in there right when she goes to pay and go, I got it, right? So I did that. And then she's like, makes up a poem about Thad. About She asked what my name was and just on the site made up a poem. It was weird. 
Uh, so it fit the vibe of the coffee shop. And then, um, and, and I thought, that's the end of this. Like, I'll never know what happens. And then, like, a week later, Dana gets an email. Dana's my wife. And she's like, hey, did you buy somebody's coffee? I'm like, are you checking my credit card? Yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, I didn't say that. I was like, oh, funny thing. Yeah, I did. The other day, I just felt like it was supposed to. She goes, well, so that person's been sharing this story. It was her first birthday without her husband. She had just lost her husband. And she was going out to just, like, try to have an enjoyable birthday, but yet feeling this massive absence that she's alone. And you stepped up and did that. And it was, like, very impactful and made her day. I was like, okay, God, thanks for letting me hear that. That's just crazy. I never would have thought, oh, this gal must not, must be all alone and needs your help. At all, didn't know the details. Just let my mind not shut off an opportunity. That's why God wants to get a hold of our minds and our hearts. There's things out there that just would wreck our life. We just don't understand what he has for us to do. And if we try to, we'll shut off the opportunity. He wants our mind and our heart. Thought three, rediscover how you help other, others experience Jesus. Luke 4, Jesus is young here, and he, he, in verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. And then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Which was a pretty big, uh, like, statement. He was saying, hey, the Messiah is here. The kingdom of God just showed up. And they were just like, what a bold claim, right? And we need to discover how we're supposed to be this good news is here proclaimers in the world around us. Even in moments when we maybe feel like it wouldn't be welcome, when God says, share it, share it. Uh, I pray it comes to you as easy as, as it's come to our home to step into this, how do we help people experience Jesus? And... I think sometimes that's where we get stuck. We're like, it's very natural. And it's not like you have to be a full-time pastor to help someone experience Jesus. In fact, that zone of the four years uh, from 1993 to 1997, I became a pastor in 1997. But that four years, anything I would try to do, whether sales, whether, um, I mean, anything, Anything, in anything I did for a profession, I was leading people to Jesus. It just didn't matter. I would go to sell a piece of furniture, but I would see that they really needed Jesus, uh, and I would lead them to the Lord. It was weird. It was just like, okay, God, this is getting old. 
you know, just in crazy spaces. Um, and I just, I just realized maybe I'm supposed to do this, like, not just as a part of life. Like, I'm being called to be a pastor. One of my mentors said, well, if you want what's second best, feel free to go into the ministry. But really, you just need to be wealthy so you can help more churches. And I was like, well, I think I'm stepping into what's best for me by obeying and going into ministry, right? It's just, it was a little bit of a hard time for me to get over my past and say God could use someone like me. But let me fast forward 13 years after being a pastor and tell the origin story of open life. Not just the origin story of, like, when we first, the first love, if you will, of open life. I remember sitting in a meeting, and it was a couple days before a winter camp I was leading as a youth pastor, and uh, Del Chittam, this guy comes in and, and is a Northwest ministry of the Assemb District of the Assemblies of God. He was the, the multiplication director. He was in charge of launching new churches and communities, and he was telling us, uh, our board and staff at the church I was at in Auburn, that they were going to close a church here in Bonnie Lake. And that bummed them out because Bonnie Lake was one of the fastest growing cities this side of the Mississippi. And they wanted to have a church out here that would reach people who are far from God. That was his language, the people who are far from God. And, uh, and so we were like, well, that's, you know, okay. And, and then he articulated further, but let's not cast a vision for what kind of church would be in Bonnie Lake unless we knew what kind of person it would take to lead a church. And that's why I'm here. I'm here to say, is anybody here that would sense a call to start a church? And this is what they would look like. They would live there. They would know people. And he started saying these things that like fit only two of us in the room. <laughs> Myself and a friend of mine, Brent Kimball. And I was like, oh dear. You know, and as he kept talking, like, I can only say this. It felt like a spotlight showed up on me in the room. The Holy Spirit started just moving, like my heart was thumping out of my chest. And I was like, oh, my God. I'd never thought of starting a church in my life. All of a sudden, this thing comes to life in me. And by the end of a few hours in the room, I was like, I think maybe we're supposed to do this. This is for the Huffs. Like everything you've described, I feel like, man, we should pray about this. I've never even talked to Dana about this. Uh, but maybe, and I felt like it was job suicide too. I was a youth pastor at the time. And I'm going, oh yeah, I guess I'm going to quit everything I know and, and the security and income and start something from scratch. Woohoo! You know? And uh, is this me or is this my entrepreneurial spirit or is this God? I didn't know, but everybody in the room felt it was God. It was like, all focus came to me, and they actually voted 10 to 4 in the room to do it. And I was like, oh, they gave us three weeks to pray. <laughs> Deadline on God's will, right? It was like, okay, God, you got three weeks here. Annie up, Annie up. But it was really clear quickly to me. There were some things I discovered that I never knew. I thought, man, how do I know if this is God's will for us? Maybe I should look back. Right? Like return to your first love or figure out the source of stuff in your life. And I remembered when I was a little child, my great-grandfather Thaddeus, who I'm named after, uh, was, uh, we were in the Foss Home Retirement Center the, like a couple days before he passed away. And he got up out of bed and he hadn't been able to sit up. And, and he walked over to me and he laid his hand on me and said a prayer that I don't remember because I was like three or four. And I remembered that moment in my life and I was like, you know, 
people had told me or my parents had told me that was, that was Grandpa Thaddeus imparting his gifts to you. And I didn't know what that meant and I still kind of don't. Uh, and I, I was just like, but something happened there that was powerful that was embedded in my memory. And I thought, what was that moment? It just came to me when we had three weeks to pray. I was like, what was that moment with great grandpa Thaddeus? What did he do? So I called my grandma and, and I had a conversation before she lost her memory. So I was glad of the timing. And, uh, and he, he was like, or she said, great grandpa Thad was a church planter. He started seven Nazarene churches across the state of Washington. And I was like, no. Because that's what we're debating doing is starting a church or planting a church, right? That's what they call it in church world. And so I was like, oh, man. That's maybe the moment that happened there. It's like, like literally that's in me. I'm rediscovering why I was put on this earth. And it was deep for me, like it started to mess with me. Then I remembered something else. We were at a camp that previous summer. And at the end of the service, this, this speaker said what the Bible calls a word of prophecy over us. He, he predicted something and, and that God showed him, and he spoke it over us. He said, in nine months to this day, mark my word, nine months to this day, God's going to give birth to something through you that you've never imagined. And, and I didn't remember that. I just remember, what was that thing Keith spoke over us? And so I tracked down the guy who was at the camp filming, and I said, hey, did you get that moment on film? His name was Jaden Haynes, right, Jaden? And uh, he was filming that altar moment, and I was like, what did he speak over us? And so he had the video. He sends it to me, and so I, that's how I know word for word what the video was. And he's like, he's like nine months to the day, you're going to give birth to something. And sure enough, here we are in February. It's almost, it's like seven months later, and I'm going, maybe this is the thing, Right? I had not even thought about that. I was just like, oh, my words. That was enough for me. But Dana needed the audible voice of God. So I was like, good luck, right? We're on our final weekend. We're at this conference. It's called the Youth Pastor and Leader Summit. And and she's like, I got to hear from God audibly this weekend for us to say yes to this. I was like, Lord, okay, whatever. And so uh, we're there at this conference. It's the final session. Nothing has happened. She hasn't heard anything audibly from God. And uh, we're in the final session of this, this service. And the speaker gets up and goes, man, I have, a, I have a great message for you today. But, you know, I got to tell you, I can't get this off of mind. So I just got to stop because somebody needs to hear this from God. And I'm like, right? And, uh, and he just goes, God's been telling me I needed to share this today. So I'm going to share it. You need to start that church. And Dana says, loud enough, I believe, for like everybody in Yakima to hear, because we were there in Yakima. She's like, shut up! <laughs> it was that loud. She says it wasn't, but I felt like every eye went to us. I was like, well, everybody knows that's us now in this room. And, uh, but it was so emotional, like that God would love us so much that he would make it that clear, Right? How we were supposed to help people experience Jesus was to start a church. That's not going to be all of you in this room. Some of you, maybe God's going to call you to start a church in Tahle or start a church in Buckley or start a church in Ording or start a church wherever. I don't know. Maybe that's your deal. 
But maybe it's to find out, how can I fulfill the mission of Jesus in my workplace? And you're like, man, I think I'm supposed to ask for this promotion because there's people over here in this department that need me. Or, man, I think I'm supposed to maybe switch from this company to that company. I just feel like this is being illuminated to me. And this could be God. I just want you, I want you to get every confirmation you need to from the Lord to step out in faith. Because there's people who need to experience Jesus that either you're going to live next to, work next to, commute with. God wants to use us all with that point of clarity. By the way, we came back and told the church, yeah. And they freaked out and said, well, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. It's too, too risky. We're in transition. Things are going on. You know, there's, we can't have any people. We can't lose any people to this. And, and so they panicked a little bit, and it delayed the vote for a month for them to, like, make it official that we were going to start a church or not. And, and then Dell came back and convinced the pastor, no, we need to do this. And so two months after they initially presented it to us, they went and made a vote to, to start this church in Bonnie Lake. So it was nine months to the day from the prophecy that was spoke over us in that summer. Mark my word, nine months from the day, Keith said when he prophesied over us. That was just, how do you deny that? You don't. We know we're right in the will of God, of how he's formed us to help people experience Jesus. Now we're here to help you figure out how God has formed you to help people experience Jesus. Maybe it's having a small group in your home for your neighborhood. Maybe it's serving in kids ministry. I don't know. But that's why we're put here is to figure the process is the same for you. You just got to pray and ask God. How do you want me to help people experience Jesus? Start to connect. Start to serve. Start to love. Thought four, rediscover wisdom and grace. We'll land here. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and thankful heart. Pray for us too. The God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. That's my prayer for us today. That we would be able to make the most of every opportunity. That we would be able to make the most of every moment, every conversation. That it would be attractive and appealing to those who are seeking to figure out what life has for them and how to live life to the full. We must become very, very wise in how we love people. In how we neighbor and how we serve our communities. Our action point today is simple. Rediscover the mission with Jesus. Rediscover the mission with Jesus. Because that's what you're on in this life. When Jesus is at the center, you're on mission with Jesus. And if you've yet to make a decision to, to step into a relationship with Jesus, make today the day the sky is bluer. Even if though it's cloudy out there right now, it'll become blue that the grass becomes greener, that the trees are more beautiful, that the smells are illuminated. I'll never forget the day I met Jesus. And I don't want you to go without that relationship. 
But if you've had the opportunity to meet Jesus, I can't wait for you to live life to the full that he has for you, helping others experience him as well. So God, I thank you for everybody here today and the opportunity we have to clearly understand the call you've put on our life, to clearly comprehend what you have for our hands to do, this mission, this helping people grow in relationship with Jesus so that they can be in right relationship with you, that their minds can be transformed, linked up with their heart, and hear the things you have, the opportunities and conversations and life that they get to have with others. And if somebody's here today and they're in that position I was in the Delta Center, June 3rd, 1993, and they've yet to make a decision to follow you, and they are just chomping at the bit to live life to the full, I pray that they would make the decision today to follow Jesus. That they would say, Jesus, here I am. I, I want to know what it is to follow you and invite you into my life and, and, and have you as my Lord and Savior and begin this adventure of being on mission with you. God, may we help them grow. As a church, may we help each other. May we love each other well. And may we love you with everything we have, putting you at the center of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.